Well, welcome back to the When I Heard This Podcast. My name is Nate Robinsoff, and I'm here with Joseph Tillman. What's going on, man? I believe it. What? We're only... <laughs> Sorry, your question totally caught me off guard. <laughs> I was prepping for an answer of, how are you today? <laughs> What's going on? Well, welcome back to the When I Heard This Podcast. My name is Nate Robinsoff, and I'm here with Joseph Tillman. How are you, Joseph? I'm doing well, brother. I'm doing well. That's that's better than the first one that I don't know if it's going to be in the podcast. Yeah. But I'm going to have to put it in now because I'm talking so much about it. <laughs> Great. Sounds good. Okay. It's, it's late and I'm delirious. Uh, okay. Um, up top, uh, to keep up with updates, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at When I Heard This Podcast. And if you want to help push the podcast out to more people... Along with us, uh, go to patreon.com. You can go to patreon.com and then type in when I heard this podcast and go from there. Um, today, we are getting into the essential doctrine of Jesus stuff. Or do you have a better way to articulate that, Joseph? Yeah, I think maybe we're getting into who was Jesus and why does it matter? Why does it matter? That's probably not a good way of phrasing it, huh? <laughs> No. <laughs> Who is Jesus? Why does why who's, does he matter? Who's on which side of the table? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're gonna be uh doing that today, and so here we go. <laughs> so, Joseph Tillman, what is a Jesus? <laughs> what is a Jesus? Okay, I will answer with I will answer the question, who was Jesus? How about that? Okay, that sounds good. Okay. Simply put, Jesus is the eternal Son of God who has always been and always will be. Jesus did come to earth, taking on the flesh and form of man, though remaining fully God and fully man. So he's, he's, he's all the way to different things. Yes. Okay. And we'll get into that as we go through okay. Okay, today. And then I would say... Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Okay. He was born of a virgin named Mary. He lived a sinless life and then was crucified, died, and was buried. He rose from the grave on the third day, and then he ascended into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of God the Father, and he will return again. That's that's all the stuff that you sent me to talk about today. So, <laughs> yeah. That's... <laughs> Those were all the phrases that we should have set up top. Yeah. All right. So that was who was Jesus. Why did Jesus need to come in the flesh? Jesus needed to come in the flesh because of the necessity for him to redeem humanity from the bondage of sin and death. So he had to physically come because it's only by taking on the likeness of humanity that he could actually redeem humanity. So remember, like the second God said, he's a hundred percent God, like fully or and hundred percent man. So he's fully God. He's fully man. He had to take on that form, that likeness of humanity. He okay. had to become like us because he needed to experience the weakness and the frailty of the human body. He needed to be tempted to tempted to sin, as we are. For only living a sinless life within that context, within that condition, 
actually allowed for him to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Okay. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says that Jesus, who knew no sin, in other words, he had he was he did not have a sin nature, he had not committed a sin. So Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin. So all of the sin of humanity came upon Jesus. He became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Okay. That's why he needed to come in the flesh because, again, he had to actually have a flesh body like ours to be the sacrifice that he ended up being. Um, Why is me dying a sin? Okay, so... Expand on that for me. Because you said it, you said that he, uh, one of our sins is death. Okay, the penalty of sin is death. Okay. Yeah, so not that death itself is not a sin, but death is the penalty or the consequence of sin. As in, like, there's, <laughs> there's good consequences to death and then bad consequences to death, I guess? Yeah, like, or so, in other words, when the first... When God created humanity, mm-hmm. okay, when he created humanity, there was no sin within humanity. Right. Okay? So there was the there's always the possibility to sin, to do that which was going against God and his nature, okay? But they were not born or made, you know, in sin, if you were, or with a sin nature. And so there was no sin initially. But when they come and they were made to live forever, mm-hmm. okay, so they were made to live as immortal beings on earth. Mm-hmm. But when sin entered the picture, sin came in. Like, so for example, when I say sin entered the picture, when early humanity began to do that which was against what God had told them to do, mm-hmm. then so that's what I mean by sin, by by humanity's disobedience, okay, to God, then their sin, not the, the consequence of that sin was in, in several different ways, but one of those ways was in their own physical bodies. Okay. And so the bodies now, because sin had entered the world, now things like sickness had entered the world with it because the bodies were not, you know, pure and holy and creation itself was not pure and holy. And so you had sickness enter into the picture. And so over time, bodies began to break down, if you were. When sin entered the world because of humanity's choosing of, of to do that which was in disobedience with God, it brought about a consequence which, which was found, again, not only in their separation from God, but in all of creation Okay. Now being distorted from what it was meant to be. It was no longer pure, no longer holy. Bodies were no longer pure, no longer holy. Sickness came in. Death was one of those things that came in with it. So bodies now, which were originally made to live forever, no longer were going to live forever. Okay. Yeah. And that's why we talk about sin having a consequence of death or death being a consequence or a penalty of sin. Okay, so going going right through all the steps that Jesus went through, which was beginning with being born of a virgin mm-hmm. named Mary, mm-hmm. 
why did she need to be a virgin from a story perspective? Okay. It just feels unnecessary and it just it doesn't it doesn't feel necessary. Okay. So like why did she need to be a virgin for all of this to be as magical as it was or whatever? Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to actually answer this with a practical response. Okay. Okay. There needed to be absolutely no doubt that the child was conceived by the Holy Spirit and not through sexual relations with the woman's husband or with somebody else. Okay. And because, as I go back to the beginning, when I say Jesus on earth, fully God and fully man, he had to maintain the divinity part of him while also having the humanity part within him. But just being a virgin just left no doubt. Okay. That this child was conceived by the Holy Spirit and not through sexual relations. So did people back then know that? Like they did they know that until the before the story was written? No, not all knew. Okay. Because even in the gospels you have times where aren't they, where they're saying, Isn't this Joseph, isn't he just the son I'm sorry, isn't this Jesus? Isn't he just the son of Mary and Joseph? Right. Mary and Mary was betrothed at the time to Joseph, but they had not had sexual relations and... Betrothed means engaged? engaged. Okay. Yeah, they were engaged. And in, in that time period, no, you're right, they did not know the full story. They just assumed that Jesus was Joseph and Mary's okay. firstborn son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they... So this, they, it took a, you know, it took a while before this for the true story, if you were, to begin to be known. Okay. Did he have siblings? He sure did. They did? He did? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, sure did. I didn't know that. Yep, sure did. Actually, two of the writers in the New Testament, to the um, one named James, one named Jude, are, are both sons of Mary and Joseph. I didn't know that. Yeah, but, um, yeah, actually, in the Gospels, it refers to Jesus' brothers and his sisters. Oh. So, yeah, he had brothers and sisters. I feel like I know who the favorite was. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I mean... That'd be hard to beat, to be honest yeah, with you. there's no... I mean... He never did anything wrong. Yeah. He got a whole book. <laughs> He's like the climax of the book. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. Can you imagine parenting him? No. <laughs> I really can't either. But, like, what do you do? Like, what do you do? He's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. But he still is human. Like, he's still, like, when he was a baby, he cried and pooped and all that stuff, right? I guess. Yeah. It probably smelled nice, though. <laughs> I think it was just poop, bro. Like flowers. Uh, I just highly doubt it. <laughs> well, you know, we don't know. I don't know. <laughs> How did God impregnate Mary then? Like, what? Where did he get the other half of the essential elements to create human life from? Yeah. So, as we said earlier, so the child was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Okay, and so God obviously created DNA for the conception of Jesus. So was he like? Was he attractive? Jesus? Yeah. Actually, it says that he wasn't. Okay. Yeah. Well, so Isaiah. Would... <laughs> Isaiah 53 talks about Jesus as being one 
that was not like pleasant to look at. Oh, yeah, which is very different than all the pictures that we right. we see. Well, why would God make an unpleasant to look at person? Well, I think in the in the way that the scriptures are talking about is you know he was you know I'm not saying he was walking around just like gross ugly, but I also think there's a sense of like he was just one that. G, like God made him to where he wasn't going to be standing out, you know, and looking all great and suave and everything else. He was just a normal person. Okay. Yeah. Did God create? What was the what was the process then? Yeah. So I so I think that yeah, this is. I mean, we don't really know the full process, right? Okay. Um, and so it seems though to me that. That again, God created DNA, but uh, I am, but but Jesus also did not have the nature of human of he didn't have the fallenness is what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. He didn't have this the fallenness or the sin nature of humanity. Okay. So even though he was born, and we can say he was a hundred percent man born of a woman, there was still no sin nature in him. Okay. Like there is, I, every one of us is born in sin. Okay, so we're born in this nature that is fallen and that is that is you know separated from God from the get go. Right? Like you don't have to tell us. Like, like basically, we're all prone to put it that way to do that which is against God. Mm. You know, to to be disobedient. Like that's like in our nature, mm. and I mean, you can see that from the time. You know, when you have when you have small kids, like you know, like you're you're their first word usually is no, mm-hmm. like they have defiance in them from point one, <laughs> and so I think you know we can see that, and that there's this defiance, kind of rebellious part in all of us, and Jesus didn't have that, and so what it looked like for the Holy Spirit. To, you know the way the phraseology of of scripture, you know, like hovering over Mary and you know the child being conceived, what that all looked like biologically is beyond what I'd be able to explain. So okay. I'm not going to try to. Okay. Yeah. So I just get to imagine what happened in my head. <laughs> Go for it. Okay. Whatever you want to imagine. That's great. Yeah. Okay. So why did Jesus have to die at all? Instead of just coming in, then leaving. Okay. Like, why that whole middle part where he had to get tortured and then die and then... Right. So... Like, wouldn't coming in the flesh be enough to be like, hey, I'm God, and then he could just dip? Yeah, that's not really the way it works. Okay. So, his death was actually absolutely necessary. Okay. And I would say that you could could make the statement that... If Jesus, the Son of God, did not die, there was no point in his coming. Okay. It's that important. Okay. And so if there was no death, if there was no resurrection, like those two things, there's no death, there's no resurrection, there would not have been a point of his coming. Okay. Because he needed to do something, accomplish something that was going to require more than just his appearing to okay. people. Okay. All right. And so, and it gets back to something that we've already talked about a little bit. You know, Romans 6, 23, for example, says the penalty of sin is death. Romans 3 talks about the fact that we have all sinned. So we've all sinned. And the penalty of that sin 
is death, then that's something that Jesus wants to come and undo. Okay. He wants to come and undo the power of sin and the power of death over humanity. And so that passage I quoted earlier from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where it speaks of Jesus becoming actual sin for us, right? Mm-hmm. He became sin for us that we might become the righteousness in God. So he he took on all of that sin for us. And then he died in our place for that sin. And if it had ended there, right, if it had ended just at the death mm-hmm. and his burial, the story still wouldn't, or, or the, the purpose of his coming still wouldn't have been completed. So he actually had to rise as well. So the resurrection is just as important, if not more important, than even the crucifixion itself. Okay. Because if there was crucifixion without resurrection, then we're just talking about another dead man. Okay. But a dead half man, half God, or a yeah. dead all man, all God. God. Right, right. Okay. But through resurrection, he's defeating the power of death. So let's say the cross defeated the power of sin, where he became okay. sin for us. He took, and then he died our death for us. Okay. And so by rising from the grave, he defeats the power of death as well. So now those two things, the power of sin, the power of death, have lost their stronghold over us. Over us. Okay. If we put our faith in Jesus. And stop killing animals and burning them for God, like before. Yes. Okay. I'm glad you clarified where you were going with stop killing animals. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and and that's another part of it, right? That they had through... So what Nate's speaking about is throughout Jewish history... Throughout Old Testament history, there was always a sacrifice for sins. And we have whole, like the book of Leviticus, for example, goes into great detail of all of the offerings that have to be presented for certain sins. And so there was all these, you know, like Nate spoke about animals dying, animals being sacrificed for sin. And it all gets back really to the power, like, and you ask why why a sacrifice? Why did things like why the animals have to die? Why did Jesus have to die? And population control, <laughs> not population control. Climate change? No, definitely not climate change. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Leviticus speaks about how that life is in the blood, and so that's an obvious statement in some ways, right? And life is in the blood. Like we're alive because blood is pumping through us. Okay. Life is in the blood. In the shedding of blood, so the shedding of blood there was, if you want to put it this way, one's life was taken so that another one would have life. Okay. okay? And so and that was the case for the sacrifices in the Old Testament. And then in Jesus's case, he became the one sacrifice, you know, one sacrifice one time for all people. Okay. And therefore, the animal sacrifices didn't have to continue. If Jesus had not come, okay, so if Jesus had not come and died specifically and rose from the grave, then humanity would have still have been left with having to sacrifice animals or anything else, just trying to be in good standing with God. Okay. And when you really get down to it of why did he die on the cross, 
it was it's ultimate because he actually wants to be with us. He was willing to Jesus was willing to die, suffer that horrible death, and then rise all for the sake that he might be with his people. Because now this opens up for not just the Jewish people, but for all people in all places to believe in Jesus by grace through faith and can have a living relationship with God by believing in Jesus' death and resurrection. We can have and Jesus is God. He's the Son of God. He died. He rose. I believe in that. I trust in that. I can have a relationship with God. And it and it stops all this needless, you know, rituals and sacrifices and everything else. And it opens it up to the broader world. Like so God did create a people known as the Jewish people. He did create a people, earlier would have been referred to as the Israelites, but he created a people to make him known to the whole world. Okay. okay? So, but now, and we'll get into this a little bit later, so I won't dive into all the details now, but but now, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, it's not just located within a specific people group to make the Lord known to everybody. Okay. Now. The Lord is just known to everybody? The Lord is known or can be known through Gentiles. And so now it's spreading through the Gentile world or the mm-hmm. non-Jewish world, okay, without the necessity of the Jews being part of that. And I'm not and I'm not trying to put down the, the importance of the Jewish people, okay? Okay. And but what I'm also saying is is that now this gospel message of being able to be with God is not just located or found within one specific people group. It's it's that message can be found all over the world through Jews and Gentiles alike. So Jesus came so that God wouldn't look like such a racist. Definitely didn't say that. Okay. <laughs> but, I, but I see where you're coming from. No, it has nothing to do with God being a racist. Okay. okay? When God created humanity, his his whole desire was that all of humanity would know him. Mm. And his and his so in beginning in Genesis 12 with the calling of Abram, who eventually becomes known as Abraham, with the calling of Abram, he's setting aside a people, and he says about that people to the descendants of Abram that they would be a blessing to all other people groups on the earth. Okay. And so even from point one, God did have a, a, a special people, if you want to put it that way, but that special people was to make him known to the rest of the world. And so it wasn't like they just kind of had this secret to themselves and hoarding it. Okay. Their, their purpose was so that they would be a blessing to all of the world, to all of the earth, and that everyone else would look kind of like into them and go, oh, their God is real, or their God is not just blessing them, but look at the way they live. Look at the way they actually care for one another. Look at the way they actually care for creation. Mm-hmm. Like, th- like they're doing it differently. And there's something that is different about them. That's why God called them a holy people. Holy just meaning set apart. They were supposed to be a set apart people for all the rest of the world to look into and go, oh, they're different. They're living differently. We want to, it should cause a stir, like almost of envy or jealousy of we want to know that God that causes them to live that way. Okay. 
So no, it's not that God was a racist. And so he's always had a heart for everyone. But in Jesus' coming, now when we speak about the people of God, we're not just talking about the Jewish people or okay. the God-fearers who were, that was the phrase that began to be used for Gentiles who began to worship the Jewish God, it was God-fearers. But that now it's now that is, when we say God's people, it's everyone who puts their faith in Christ. Okay. Yeah. Since we're talking about sin, mm-hmm. what would have happened? This this is very off topic. Okay. Probably. What would have happened if only Adam or only Eve were the ones to eat the the forbidden apples? I've actually wondered the same thing. Okay. To be honest with you, like that's a question I've got too. Okay. Like if only one of them had done it, right? Would it have caused the chain reaction that it did? Right. Um. I think, I think it would have. I know we're living in like a completely hypothetical, not a realistic world at this point, but because we know they both did. At this point. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, like for them to have children, right? They would have, the, the, the children would have been born with a sin nature because one of the parents was in that. Oh, okay. Had that nature, had that likeness, like okay. the image of God. When I say sin nature, that sounds really harsh. Maybe another way of phrasing that would be: so Adam and Eve were born with like the full image of God in them. Mm-hmm. Okay. When sin came into the world by their disobedience, and sin came into their own lives through their own disobedience, the image of God, the image of God, f- began to be distorted within them. Okay. Because now they no longer reflected the full image of God. Okay. Because uh, the God who is fully loved, the God who is fully kind, the God who is fully holy, the God who is fully righteous, they no longer reflected that type of image because of their own choices led them to no longer be fully righteous, no longer be fully holy or set apart as God is. Um, and it even broke relationship between the two of them. You know, part of the image of God is that God is a is a triune relational being, and by by that by just being Father, Son, Holy Spirit are in relationship, mm-hmm. and so they're a triune relational being. So part of God's image is that. And when we see Adam and Eve in Genesis three, when they when they committed their sin. It actually caused them to be ashamed to be around one another because of their nakedness. So they actually kind of part ways, if you were, and hide from one another. And then when God comes in and asks them what's going on, they blame, like there's a blaming going on. Okay. Adam blames Eve. Eve blames the serpents. There's there's all of this disconnect and and from their relationship. So when I say sin nature, that's what I really mean. It's like a distorted image of God, not the full image of God we were intended to have. Okay. So they would have had kids, and the kids would have had that in it. Otherwise, the world wouldn't have continued past them Yeah. if they didn't have any kids. Right. Because one of them was... One of, one of them would have been sin-natured and then died. Right. And the other one wouldn't have. Right. And then there'd be no us. Correct. Yeah, it's a very interesting hypothetical world that doesn't exist. Right. But, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I've thought the same thing. Okay. Yeah. And I've even wondered at times, did it matter if it was Eve or if it was Adam? 
That's a horror question, but topic for another time, maybe. So. Okay. Sorry, I just thought of that. And I yeah. Hit that. yeah. That's good. good. Thought to ask. Sure. Why did Jesus have to, to die like he did? And why couldn't he have just been run over by a camel or something? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, why the whole long thing? Right. Like, getting beat up and then and then whipped and then spit on, punched. Mm-hmm. Kerpowed, <laughs> and then whipped some more. Right, right. right. There was two of those, uh-huh. and then thorns, uh-huh. and then carry cross uh-huh. to place, nail in hands. Was mm-hmm. it hands or mm-hmm. was it wrists? More than likely, it's probably wrists. Okay, yeah, nails and wrists, and then nails and feet, mm-hmm. and then up there for a few hours. And they died. Yeah. So why all of those things that I just laid out instead of falling off a cliff or something? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good question. Good question. <laughs> I mean, good question. All right. So first of all, for the Roman culture that he's living in during this time, okay, okay. the cross was the ultimate symbol of not only death, but shame. Okay. okay. So for sin and for shame. And Jesus died not only for our sin, but also for our shame, Isaiah 53 tells us. So there's not only the death of, or the, the, the sin that has to be died for, but the shame that comes along with it. Okay. Okay. So for example, I think in most of us, we can relate to this. When, like when we're, when we know we've done something wrong, whether that be at work or with a, in a relationship, or whatever it may be, we we there's a sense of shame that comes with that, and so we're like another, and that shame is like feeling bad for who we are, okay, as a sinner, as, as a sinner, as like we we did this mm-hmm. right, and then there's the guilt for feeling bad for what we've done, and Jesus, so that so for the Roman culture, the cross was this ultimate symbol again of not only death but of absolute shame so one being crucified and the and and the romans were good at this like this is like wasn't like a like a one-time thing where they crucified jesus a couple of criminals and that's the only time they ever crucified anybody okay. right this was like a normal i'll say a normal but it was part of their cultural custom and they would go into when they were conquering other areas they would crucify people who resisted Okay. As a sign of don't resist or this will be, okay. you know, your your end result as well. So many like roundtable discussions. I'm like, hey, how can we make this worth, worse? Right. Okay. Right. And crucifixion was like just because ultimately in crucifixion, you ultimately suffocate. Right. Right. And so it's a slow, agonizing, painful death. So Jesus... When you ask, you know, why did Jesus have to die this way? Again, because I think his death had to be public. Okay. Had to be seen. It had to it had to be equated with not only sin but with shame. And then also I I really think he had to go through all of the immense torture and pain of it all. Which, and I can understand why some people may think that's just completely unnecessary. Like, why all of that? But I think it's to underscore how great the sin was. 
that he was dying for. Why do people feel that way? So, in other words, I think that sometimes I believe we can take sin lightly. Okay. That, that makes sense. Like Well, why do people why do people think all of that other stuff was unnecessary? Oh, all the beating and yeah. everything. Okay. Because they just they think it's they think it's like brutal of God the Father allowing his son to go through that. Okay. That was why was that part necessary? Okay, or why well, was even the crucifixion necessary? Yeah, I'm why was that part necessary? Because I was going to ask you that afterwards. Yeah, because, again, I think it has to do with the fact of sin was so severe, or okay. sin is so severe, not just was, but is. Sin is so severe. Sin is so damaging. Sin is so separating that we had to see all of the pain and all of the everything that it took for Jesus to get to the cross and die there to understand this is what our sin cost Jesus. Okay. And so it puts it puts sin in a proper perspective. That it's not just this light thing, I ask forgiveness of, but maybe I really don't, you know, don't think it's that big of a deal. No. Your sin was is so damaging. Your sin is so opposite of God's holiness mm-hmm. that God would send his own son to go to that length to get you back. So I think it demonstrates the the gravity of sin, the depth of the sin, but also the depth of his love. I'll go to this length mm-hmm. to bring you to me. So I think it's kind of highlighting both those things. It's it's highlighting this is the depth of your sin. This is how deep it is, how again opposite of God's holiness it is. And it costs Jesus to be, you know, completely just almost unrecognizable. And that passage, Isaiah 53, I talked about him just being unrecognizable, really is related to that part. Okay. Where he's just so beaten and so torn up from all of the the whippings and everything else, the crown of thorns, that he, I mean, he would be t- it would be difficult to look at a being a human being in that condition, right? So uglier than he was before all of it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I think that even though it was pretty bad beforehand, <laughs> I think he was a. Uh, let's just maybe let's give him a little slack. He was just a normal looking guy. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, so I think all of this though goes back to the depth of sin and also the depth of love, because Jesus. In John 15 says that greater love has nothing, no one than this. There's nothing more that is greater in love than this, that one would lay down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. He laid down his life for his friends, for those that followed him. But he also laid down his life for those of us who would come to know him, whom he would eventually call friend. Mm. And it's so it's showing both the depth of the gravity of our sin and the depth of love. I always thought they beat him up so much just because they didn't like him. Oh, well, very much. Yeah. And so it was just like, hey, we're doing he's going to die anyway. So let's. Yeah. I mean, no doubt the soldiers are mocking him and everything else. Right. Because it wasn't just physical abuse. It was right. Mental, like mental and, and emotional, and all that exactly stuff. right, exactly. And you know, like even when they're putting out the crown of thorns on right. his head, and and it, you know, and it talks about they're like, "Hey, you're the king of the Jews," you know. Um, and even to the point of, well, if you're really God, or if you're really the king, or if you're really the Messiah, 
why don't you pull yourself down from this mm-hmm. cross, right? I mean, there was yeah. constant mocking. So, yeah, I mean, so that's definitely part of it. I think that the soldiers that were a part of that were just probably doing their customary duties. Mm-hmm. You know, even in the trial itself, it's interesting. Pontius Pilate is the one that ultimately sentences Jesus to his death, but he didn't even want to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, like he was he he was conflicted about mm-hmm. it. And he finally relented because the Jews were crying out, crucify him, crucify him. So he he finally did it. And so he relented to that. But it wasn't like that was what he was mm-hmm. going for. So he I just think, was trying to keep his constituents happy. Correct. Okay. Yeah. He's trying to keep peace amongst mm-hmm. his people, right? But the, And so I don't think it's like he gave orders for the soldiers to do anything more than they would have for a normal prisoner. Because he, he, he was the one that... Did the whole washing of his hands mm-hmm. display, like, hey, I don't want to deal with this? So this yeah, is- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, he washed his hands and said, blood's not on my hands for yeah, this. okay. You know? I've seen the movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. But the reality is blood was on his hands. Yeah. I mean, because he's ultimately the one that said, okay, he'll be crucified, mm-hmm. you know? But but I do think the soldiers obviously took it probably a little more to an extreme mm-hmm. at, at one point because, again— they're mocking him for who he says he is right? or for what others say that he is. So and one more thing I want to make note of, too, is that so in Galatians 3, verse 13, it actually speaks of why Christ had to die in relation to the law of Moses. So in verse, th- in verse 13 of chapter 3, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And so another thing that Jesus, the reason Jesus needed to die through crucifixion, was because anyone that, according to the law, that died from hanging on a tree, okay, and and we can talk about the semantics between a tree and crucifixion, but you know the, the, the what they used to crucify someone was with wood, right? Right. And so what, what Paul is saying here in Galatians is that there was a curse that was on that. So by Jesus dying on that tree, on that cross, the curse came upon him as well. Okay. And now the curse is on him, it allows the blessing of Abraham, as it says, following here, to now be extended out to Jews and Gentiles alike. Okay. And so and so Jesus actually fulfills the Mosaic law. So sin, shame, guilt, curse, all are dealt with by Jesus on the cross. Okay. Okay. So Jesus is all God, and he's all a dude. So could he not have used his God powers okay. to not feel any pain through the entire brutal sequence of him dying. So one of the things to know about Jesus as he's fully God on earth is in Philippians two, it says that he actually laid down some of his attributes. So as so he chosenly willingly set them aside okay. for him to come to earth. Okay. Okay. So obviously, as God, he's omnipresent. He could be anywhere at one time, right? Or everywhere at mm-hmm. one time. Did he did he have 
inventory slots that he could then fill with extra better other powers? No. Okay. It's not the way this okay. not the way this works. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He can't like level up in some right. other okay. powers, right? right? Um and so no, so he so obviously by being becoming the thing on the form of man, he no longer can be everywhere at one time. Okay. Um he didn't know everything, right? I think we've talked about this before a little bit, but okay. he didn't know about everything. Um so he's not omniscient, he's not all knowing. He okay. actually had to learn. Right. So Jesus had to learn as a child growing up. He had to learn Torah and what what we know as the Old Testament scripture. Okay. He had to actually learn that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then but one of the other things is he's no longer all powerful. Okay. And so so Jesus no longer has this all this omni you know, this um omnipotent quality about him where he's all powerful. And so he is fully man while being beaten. Right, I mean, he's fully God, but he's fully man, and so no, you know, it definitely hurts. Right. Right? There's no like, I can just, you know, turn off this pain kind of thing. Kind of like us now with him in heaven, then, except God was in heaven when he was there. But like, because we should be able to do Jesus powers while we're on Earth, right? Because we have him in our hearts or something. Yeah, by, by the Holy Spirit. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Correct. So that kind of thing. Like, I can feel pain, but I can still access my Jesus inventory belt and <laughs> and heal someone. Right, with the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. Right. So, let's say, for example, Jesus, he never preached one sermon, performed one miracle, did one healing prior to the Holy Spirit coming upon him. Okay. At, right. his, at his baptism. Okay. So, Jesus, Jesus' ability to heal... Jesus' ability to turn water to wine. Jesus' ability to walk on water. All, all of those things. None of that happened before he had Holy Spirit. Correct. Okay. All of that was by the power of the Holy Spirit upon him. So what was the Holy Spirit doing before then? Before, like, before Jesus, or before coming upon Jesus? Yeah. So how far back you want to go? I don't care. All right. So, like, we see Holy Spirit at the very beginning. Okay. So... In chapter one of Genesis, oh, he's there. The spirit's there. Okay, yeah. Does he do anything? Or is he yeah, there? he's he, he's he's in that creative mode of he's actually helping create. Oh, okay, the heavens and the earth. So he's like he's like the project manager. <laughs> I don't want to say he's the project manager. God's like, hey, I need a heaven and an earth, and he's like, oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's it's one of those really interesting things, right? Where the word God spoke and there was light. Okay. Right? And so somehow in the midst of all of this, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are all creating. Right? Because okay. in John chapter one, we hear that nothing was created apart from the word of God or Jesus. Okay. And so Father, Son, Holy Spirit are all creating together. Okay. Okay. Um, and then throughout the Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit coming upon certain people for certain tasks. Okay. So, for example, he would come upon prophets for them to prophesy or to speak the oracles of God. Did they know that it was a different thing other than God? They knew it was the Spirit of God. And they equated okay. that to, like, as God. Okay. Like, the Spirit of God was upon me. 
would be oh, okay. way, the way they I, would phrase that. Here. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And so it was always the sense of the Spirit of God as upon upon people and and so and not within them. And so, yeah, so kings would be anointed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would come upon them. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. Saul had it until he went completely crazy. And then and just in, in it, I say crazy in his disobedience against God, Holy Spirit lifted off of Saul. Holy Spirit came upon David. And so he was, you know, king. Um, the Holy Spirit came upon, again, certain people for certain tasks okay. throughout the Old Testament. And then so what he was we, a project manager. He was empowering people. Uh, no, I will not. I will okay. not simply say he was a project manager. <laughs> he was empowering people to do the very things. I was like, of God. hey, make go make that guy do that thing. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's like, all right, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's not quite like that. Okay. So, um, at least not in the reluctance part of it, okay. right? And so, so actually, when Jesus was on earth, he was submitted to both the Father and the Spirit. Okay. So he's being led completely by the Holy Spirit. He's saying, he's, I'm doing all what the Father tells me to do, but he's being completely led and empowered by the Holy Spirit to do all those things. Okay, well, I have a new image in my head of what the Holy Spirit looks like now. <laughs> He's wearing a hat, isn't he? Yeah, he's wearing a hard hat. <laughs> yeah, I do it. Different color vest than everybody else with a styrofoam cup of coffee. <sighs> yeah, we're going to do a thing of the Holy Spirit. Maybe okay. we'll change that image a little bit. All right, well, I like it for now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been the When I Heard This Podcast. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Rumble. You can also go to our Patreon. If you go to patreon.com and type in when I heard this podcast, you can join a tier there and all the money that we get from there we'll be using on social media to push the podcast out further to more people. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Nate Robinsoff and you can follow Joseph on Instagram at Rev Joe T. This has been the when I heard this podcast and we will see you next time. Bye.